This is Clay from Skilled Gentleman Podcast. You're listening to Handgun World Podcast with Bob Main. Live streaming. We're live. Hey, folks. Bob Main here with another episode of the Handgun World Podcast. Uh, episode 477, I carry a gun because I can't carry a cop. And look, I got a special guest here with me. We promised we would do this live. Actually, first time I've done it, Ben Branham's here. Yay, me. I'm here. He's here. Uh, we just got done having some dinner. Uh, it's Good Friday. Happy Happy Easter to all of you. Happy uh, Good Friday Let's always remember why uh, we have Good Friday and why we have Easter to all my Christian friends out there. Um, and uh, this is uh, this is saying let's 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 remember the solemnness of this holiday. So we're starting a little bit early. It's about seven twenty-six Central. We had asked for some questions, and actually we got one so far. So if you're on here live. Let us know uh, if you have some questions for us. But somebody asked us about night shooting. Hey, hey, Derek, how you doing? Thanks for joining. So somebody asked us about night shooting. We used to teach some night shooting classes. We did that. Um, it's First of all, I think it's essential. Ben, what do you think? Anywhere you can take a night class, go shoot in the dark. Try to get the training. Try to get the stuff done. It's just hard to get ranges and hard to get classes going. It's really the impossibility of everything. So if you can find a spot local that does a night class, um, you may or may not take their technique, but go do it to get the experience of shooting in the dark, shooting in low light, shooting in different light conditions. We all go to the range, and if you go to the some of the older ranges out there, it seems like it's almost night shooting because it's so dark out there. It might as well be uh, low light on some of, the new, some of those old ranges, indoor ranges out there, but it's not the same. So go out there and take any class you can you, near you, to do it, and if you if you're super cool and you have your own range or you have access to a range that will let you do it at night, go out there and practice. Um, I guess pra- if you're going to go practice, though, do what Bob and I used to do to teach the classes. We'd start around three o'clock in the afternoon. We'd go over all the techniques. Get in warmed the day. up in the daytime. Yeah, and so you can learn the technique. You can fumble around with your light and play with it during the daytime and try to make it work. And then when it's actually dark out, you just get in there with the light and start working your techniques. And then you don't fumble around in the dark so much. Um, The dark changes everything. If you haven't fired in the dark, you think it's, oh, it's just a little different. No, it's not. And Marine Corps tried to do that for years. We had the night vision goggles. I used to have commanders that would tell me just put on your mvgs and it's like it's daytime you don't need anything else you don't even need to practice with them we'll just hand them to you and it's like magic but do you go around with mvgs all the time no yeah I, i i don't know about you but i don't own a pair of mvgs so there is no magic out there the only thing you can do is actually work it you can try it dry a little bit and you'll see the difference i mean do the dry practice thing turn on all the lights in your house make sure the gun's empty put the ammo in the other room and then turn out a bunch of lights and make sure you're pointing the gun in a safe direction because now it's dark. And then you can start to see how the world looks different when you have a gun in your hand in the dark. Yeah. And if you haven't done it before, it is, it's, at first it's really eerie and weird and it's just not right. It's kind of like picking up a new gun that you're not familiar with or, I don't know, it's just, it's just different is the thing. It's so, vastly different. In fact, you know, I think it's a whole different shooting world at night. 
Because one thing I learned the first time I, you know, the first time I ever shot my handgun at night, uh, it was an IDPA match. It was a night shoot, a night shoot IDPA match. And it was indoors, of course, I shut all the lights off and everything, but I thought I'm really cool because I got my Glock, I got night sights, you know. At that time, I had True Glow, uh, Tritium Fiber Optic Nights, night sights, and I thought that I was gonna, I'm going to do really well in this match. As it turned out, my night sights actually didn't help me as much as I really thought because I could see the sights, but guess what I couldn't see? The target. I couldn't see the target. And uh, that's kind of important, isn't it, to be able to see the target? Eh, just throw some rounds out there, see if it yeah, works. Yeah, right, sure. <laughs> I'm yeah, kidding, no, don't that's, do that. Uh, uh, you know, statistics say most self-defense shootings happen in either low light or nighttime. And, uh, you know, it's, it's unfortunate most people don't practice enough at night. Yeah. Everybody's doing, Everybody's practicing in the daytime. And if you can, I like to do it um, truly at night in the evening. I don't like the idea of, let's just go to the range and we'll turn out all the lights. Yeah, it works when you're indoors and it sort of gives you there. But, you know, humans are different. We have a circadian rhythm. Our eyes work different at night than they do in the day. Cones versus rods and all that cool science stuff. If you want to go into that, um, I'm trying to think. I did an episode about that a while ago. But anyways, we won't go sciencey on you. But just everything is different after the sun goes down. And your body knows that there's a difference between when the sun is up and when the sun is down. And it doesn't matter whether you're inside and you turn off the lights. If the sun's up, the sun's up and your body is awake and things are happening. If you stay up late to take one of these courses and let's say it goes till midnight or something and you normally don't go till midnight. And even if you do, it's going to change the way you feel and the way you act and stuff. And it's really hard to explain unless you get out there and do it. But midnight is not noon and it never will be, and your body knows the difference, it's kind of, you know, the only thing I can liken it to is, and you've done this a bunch, Bob, is you went traveling overseas where you get the whole jet lag thing, where, you know, your body is just off and it feels weird, and you're like, so, you know, it's all bright out, but something's not right here. And that's kind of what your body does when you go inside and you turn off all the lights and you go, okay, it's nighttime now. But you know, your your body knows, the back of your brain knows, and you can't fool it. It knows that it's still daylight out, so it has a, to- a hard time you know, clicking over to get that the full value. So if you can get a uh, get a get a class out there, maybe we should think about putting together a night class. Uh, what you said earlier, Ben, though, is the hardest part is getting a range, getting a range to allow us to teach a nighttime class is the hard part. And right now, because of the summer months, it you know it stays light. I mean, here in San Antonio, it's light. It's going to be light until almost nine o'clock pretty soon. Yeah, so, so we used to have hard. A, we used to have a range that would let us do it start about three o'clock in the afternoon. We had to be done at what was it nine o'clock? Be, no, we had to I think it was, off the range at. I 10. think we had to be off the range at ten, so it gave us like one hour of or maybe an hour well, and a half of of low well, we light. Were, we were doing it before the time change, so we'd it'd yeah. get dark at six, and so we'd have two or three hours of shooting in the dark. Yeah. Now, it, but that range won't let us do that anymore. Another range I try to do night classes at, the owner's a nice guy, but he told me, maybe we should try him again, but um, he told me years ago that I'm the only one that sh- teaches night classes on my range, Yeah, and he doesn't schedule any of them. And it's so his range. Day, it's his range, it's his rules, you know, be nice. Um, but I can understand the liability at night and everything changes and everybody thinks that it's just going to be, unless you've done it before, you just think you're going to click that switch and it's going to be, yeah, this is just fun. We're just going to shoot in the night. I mean, we've done fan fires and a fan fire is a familiarity fire um, where we've, I've done a all day class and then all we do, 
we go to dinner, we come back, and we just shoot for about an hour at night. Nobody moves, everybody stands there, flashlights only, nobody does anything out of the holster, we all draw, have the guns pointed, and then we fire. Um, I've done a couple of those, those were fun, doing different lighting stuff and everything. I turned the truck lights on and off with them, and the high beams and the low beams, put some lights out there for the play with them and turn them on and off, just to mess with them. And they thought they'd have it licked, and they would, all the students on the line would have this lighting condition licked, and then I would turn the lights off on the truck and put lights down range and have them facing up and turn those uh, lights yeah, on. I remember that. And uh, then like the whole world, they're, they're like, wait, wait a second. Just it messes changed. you up if you've never done that before. So the lighting it conditions where, they, where the light is is very different. Whether it's in your hand and there's no other lights, whether you have a bunch of street lights overhead, whether you have a bright light from, I don't know, the building behind the person that's attacking you. You're in a dark alley and it's bright out there because that's the street. All these things change, and then oncoming traffic. It's everything. Every lighting condition is different, and you got to play with them all to see what's going on. But really, it's hard to get ranges to do that. The liability thing is really tough. We might be able to get the one in Houston to do it. Maybe he's pretty cool. He let us do it before. Yeah. Um, where we're going tomorrow. Yeah, maybe. Uh, we can ask him again. That was years ago. Yeah. He said no way. Speaking of tomorrow, by the way, um, we're going to be doing some uh, more filming for Modern Handgunners and the Shooters Club. So all of you who are Shooters Club members, you'll be getting some new videos coming soon. Uh, welcome to John, Greg, and Derek have joined us. So so far, three people. And uh, if you want to, um, if you want to ask us questions and things like that. Fire away. No, John, sorry. He says you guys need to drink while filming. I don't think so. Um, I know there's a lot of people out there that drink while they're filming. (laughs) Hey, John, we're going to be filming in the morning. I don't drink in the morning, so I'm sorry. Um, But uh, anyway. I'm I'm actually doing this challenge thing where I'm not drinking for 75 days right now. Um, After that, (laughs) maybe me and Bob will get together and we'll... We'll be more po- we'll be more polite. We'll but, sip wine. Yeah, and we'll do a podcast live. Well, drinking so. while filming wouldn't be as bad as drinking while shooting. We don't do that. Uh, no, we, we don't, don't do, do that. that. We don't do that. Um, but having a drink while we're sitting here podcasting that all sorts of fun stuff could come out. I tried I could to tell, get you to drink. A little I could bit tell of wine, you all sorts of stuff it. about this guy, but no, no I'm just we're kidding. we're Facebook Live now. Come on, give me a break. Um, <laughs> But one more thing I want to say about night shooting, because uh, the person who asked that asked a really good question. You you might find that you won't want to invest a lot of money in night sights after you take a night shooting class, or or again go shoot a night a competition match at night. I'm not saying night sights are bad. All the guns I carry have night sights, but they're not the end all be all that you might think that they are. Because if you're holding a flashlight. You know, the flat, the, the light's going to illuminate your sights, and most importantly, your flashlight's going to illuminate your target. And even if you've got a weapons-mounted light, that light is going to illuminate your target. And There's you, enough... The lights are so bright these days. When there's you enough illuminate ambient light. your target, you see the black outlines of your sights. You see the black I mean, outlines, A lot of the times, yeah. when I have my flashlight, even though I have green, tritium, glowing, whatever sights I'm running at the time... If I turn my super duper thousand lumen or billion lumen light on and hit a target, it lights it up so much that I don't even see the green dot glowing at me. All I see is the outline of my sights, the black on black post sights. So yeah, it gets. Yeah, I mean, even these and this is this is like three hundred lumens, and that's it. And uh, and even it, I this I use this exact flashlight, this Surefire light, the last time I took a night class. And Ben's right, you know, while I'm 
illuminating my target, I can see the outline of my sights. So the night sights so. didn't do a whole lot for me. And I'll give you a little bit of my technique about night fighting because um, in case you guys haven't taken a class with me, um, I tell all my students and I t- taught a private classes last weekend and they kind of figured out by the end that if you're going to fight me, I'm mean. So one of the great things and where your night sights come in is you can generally in today's society, wherever you live in cities, you can see the outline of a person and at your fighting distance, you'll see where they are. You just can't see who they are or what they're doing. Well, if they you, there's muzzle flashes and they're shooting at you, they're obviously bad, so you shoot back. But if you put that light on them and you see that they're a bad guy, don't stand there flat-footed. Don't do whatever you think you're going to do. Just turn the light off, take a couple steps left or right, get off line, and then use those night sights and shoot that target where it is. So you've got a great way. You can... Turn as that long as you've identified on, it's the bad guy. Turn that flashlight on, identify it's a bad guy, turn that flashlight off, take a couple steps offline, and then use your night sights to make those hits and take that time. So, yeah, I, I hired in the dark. You know, I'm going to use the dark to my advantage. I'm going to use the flashlight to my advantage. Once you start really getting good in the dark, for a lot of years, I'd rather have a fight in the dark than in the light just because I knew how to use the dark. To my advantage, with my flashlight, with moving through the dark, with that kind of stuff, I'm really, I'm really pretty good at it, and not as good as I used to be. So um, now I'd rather have one in the daylight where I can see everything and do everything. I guess I'm getting old. Um, I don't know, <laughs> but uh, now really just out of practice. It's not the old part. It's something the out of practice part. But yeah, uh, ten years ago, you you want to fight in the day or the dark? I'll yeah. take the dark because I'll use the light. I'll use my handheld light, my weapons mounted light, my night sights. And I'll use the dark itself to try to. I'll use it against them more than they can use it against me. Yeah, I agree with you. the The night is your asset. And and by the way, to answer the question, what's better, a handheld light or a weapons mounted light? The answer is yes. Both. Uh, they're both very good. Uh, both is better. And but you got to train because they're they're completely different. Uh, I. And they all have their ups and their downs. Yeah, personally, I don't like weapons-mounted lights. Not because I don't think that they're effective. They add some bulk to the gun. They make me use a different holster. I don't have any holsters for weapons-mounted lights, so it means I have to get another holster, and or i got to modify my existing holsters to be able to uh, accommodate the light. Uh, I would, like you said, like you said, the chances of me having to use my gun in a pitch-black environment is very slim. Well, I do like the handheld lights. Uh, you know, advantages, disadvantages, everything. So the light on your your weapon, it makes it heavier. It makes it bulkier. you got to do more maintenance. You know, when you shoot your gun, all that powder and stuff comes out. It faces itself on the lens of that light. Um, chapstick is a great thing. If you, want, if you clean that lens and put some chapstick on it, it generally helps it so stuff doesn't fall off as much. But... It's still you got to clean it, so it's more maintenance. You got to make sure that thing's not accidentally getting turned on in your holster, or just when you sit, that sit down to me. and stuff. All of that's a pain. Plus, you need a bigger holster, a special holster, and it slows down your draw. I don't care what anybody says. I've seen the numbers. I do the math. Um, yeah, you'll never see a competitive guy running around with a light on there because it slows down your draw. The holster has to be bigger. It takes it longer to get out of the holster. And if that light is sticking out past the end of the gun, now the gun's longer. You lose some of your concealability. And plus, it's heavier. Plus, you have to get it out of your holster, and you have to come that much higher out of your holster. So there's a lot of disadvantages to that. Um, above a handheld light, you know, a handheld light's great, but i got to have one hand on the light, one hand on the gun. 
So now I lose one hand, but I gain other stuff. And then I lose... If I have to manipulate my gun with a light in my hand, what do I do with the light to reload, to do a malfunction drill, anything I have to do, what do I do with that light? Do I run the gun one-handed and just reload off of my, you know, rack it off of my jeans? Uh, you just, these are all the things you got to practice. And when we teach a class, we'd go through that technique really slowly. And I'd show them four or five different ways. And we would do them all in the daylight. And then I'd let them do them all again at night. And then they can pick the one that works the best for them, including all the flashlight techniques and everything. Um, the one I never like that people always like to do is, you know, when I'm going to manipulate the light and the gun, I'll just stick the light yeah. in my teeth. Um, no. I think for sure I will break my teeth. I do this. But I like to do this. No, but you'll stick the. Where are you going to stick the light when you do a reload? Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah. So that's well, what I'm talking when I, about. When I, I, if the gun, I'll be doing a one-handed reload. If the gun malfunctions, what are you going to do with the light? Practice so one-handed reloads. Like to stick it in their mouth, and I'm like, or under the arm. I'm thinking that's a good way to lose my teeth. Under the arm is cool. You know. Um, here's an, I can stick it like this and still have light. For you guys, I'm going to steal this light. Ugh. For you guys in law enforcement and stuff, I'm going to give you a great trick. All of your stupid lights have a hole in them, right? This one has it right here. I didn't even look at Bob's light before this, but it has a hole for a lanyard, right? Mm -hmm. So, if you're a cop, here's the cool thing. Put a lanyard on with a little clip under it. Wear it under your shirt. If you have to go search a building at night and you have your handheld light and then your gun, take that lanyard when you before you put take your gun out, take that lanyard, clip it to your light. And now, when I'm working, if anything happens, I drop the light, I have the gun, if I have to go hands-on with somebody, I drop the light and it's hanging from my neck and now I can go hands-on with him. And then when I need to find the light, it's around my neck, right? There's a lanyard. All I gotta do is grab the lanyard and slide my good hand idea. all the way down till the light's on. That's a good idea. And it, it'll work for you to get out here and make the lanyard long enough so you can get whatever technique you're gonna use. And then you can just drop the light. It's That's one of the best idea. stupid techniques that I've ever heard and it's like three dollars. Well, you know, if you come out and do that, I, I'd say that you might be a true pro if you're doing that. So that's a, that's one of the stupid little tricks that you can learn. But again, you got to practice because you'd have to pull the cops. If you pull it out of your belt, you got to pull that lanyard out and clip it there, right? And get a little bit of practice in and make sure that lanyard doesn't get in the way of you manipulating the gun. And other anything else you have to do, if you have to pull your pepper spray or your baton or reloads and stuff, you know, if the light comes all the way down to your knees and hangs down there, now that you got string flop, and if it comes to your belt, you're probably about right. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the best techniques I've ever learned and gotten somebody to tell me about. And because we were always in law enforcement trying to figure out, well, what do you do with the light? You know, you got enough. So I got the light on. I got to put my gun away, and then I got to grab this burglar that I found. Now what do I do with the light? I'm trying to put it back in my holster, and, and it just all of it was horrible, horrible, and you'd practice forever, and it took forever, and it was a pain in the butt. That lanyard thing was the best thing I've ever heard of, and I know some, a couple cops that do it. It's just awesome. So there's a couple little tips you get from me about night fighting, the lanyard, the turn the light off and move technique. Yeah, turning the light off and moving is, uh, that's important. Okay, let's move on. Uh, thank you, Ken, for joining. Thank you, Liston. And uh, John, hey, John just asked us a great question. How about we see pocket dumps? What knives do you carry, etc.? All right, we're Facebook Live. Here we go. Surefire. Surefire EDC flashlight. This is real important. Smith & Wesson Shield, 9mm. So let's see. Let me keep on going. Um, Bob's going faster. My, um, 
knife that you can't open. Bench made, yes, by the way. Bench made. I don't care what you guys think. This bench made Mel Pardue is an awesome ni- uh, I don't knife. I do buy bench so, made anymore. You know, <laughs> but well, I never did, so it doesn't really people, hurt them. <laughs> to all you people who don't want to carry bench maids anymore, why? They're awesome knives. Forget about that. My wallet with 5000 bucks in it, right? Um, and uh, uh, got to, yeah, give me that back. I saw that. We're on camera, you idiot. Um, got to have Apple AirPods. I mean, come on. You know, if you don't have Apple AirPods, then uh, then who are you? And, uh, well, it's not really in my pocket, but my Concealment Solutions Cobra. I got I to gotta pitch my sponsor, you know, Concealment Solutions. So They're good holsters. They make go. good stuff. So, and, and, of course, and, of course, my, uh, my iPhone 8 Plus. So there's my pocket dump. I'm running kind of light tonight. You know, normally, uh, while you're doing your pocket dump, I'll get what I normally carry in my pocket. I think he's the only one that carries more stuff than me. So I'm carrying a CKRT M16 fighting folder knife. Um, They call it a tactical folder. I like it because it's got the big old point on it, these two shards, so I can really get a grip on it. Flashlight, always. I like the bigger flashlight. This is a Phoenix UC35 rechargeable, super bright, billion lemons, whatever, with the pocket clip puts the back Mine's of my pocket. Mine's 1.5 billion. I gotta keep pulling stuff out of my pocket. A pen. Always need my tactical pen. This is a Smith and ah, Wesson tactical I pen. My tactical They're pen. cool. Um, yeah, one of these days. Hopefully, I'll never use that. Um, I gotta stand up to actually get all of my stuff out of my pocket. While you're doing that, also my. Um my Ruger LCP2 Gotta get the important thing in the, the pocket. pocket holster. Yeah, he's got he's got uh, his backup guns better than mine. He's got the Ruger. Uh, that's the 38, it's, right? Yeah, I carry the 38. It's got the laser on it and stuff. I never use the laser, but it makes the gun look cooler. Um, actually, I got a fat deal on it with the laser, so that's why I bought it. In a pocket holster, of course, goes in my left pocket all the time, constantly. I've got in the back pocket who nobody cares about. I've got AirPods like Bob because I got to listen to my music. And then I carry five rounds on a stripper clip. Yeah. And look, I learned this trick from a long time ago. They always have this little knob for you to grab them on, right? But I only need five rounds, so I got a six-round strip. So when it comes out of my pocket, it doesn't matter. I can pull it out of my left side or my right side. Whatever side I end up on, I still have the strip to put two rounds in there at a time and rip them off. So that's easy. And I have a wallet. In my, and the only thing I really care that Bob never does is a lighter. Nah, yeah, I should start carrying and, a lighter. Uh, yes, it actually works. Yeah. No, I don't smoke, but um, fire <laughs> wherever you are for an emergency situation. You is always awesome. need fire. Also, gotta have fire. Gotta have fire. I got my keys. I got my wallet with a. Oh yeah. I think I, I normally carry like a hundred, hundred fifty dollars extra in there. I'm not quite Bob with five That's grand. It? I don't um, have five thousand bucks in my wallet. I'm just. Dang it. That's why I was trying to take his wallet. We don't have, have enough Shooters Club there. members for me to be able to afford five. Hey, let, I sign up for the Shooters Club account. so I can carry more than uh, 20 bucks. I think. What do I got? Oh, look, $3 tonight. See, you guys haven't been signing up much. so uh, You don't have any. That's why I'm down to 3 You don't bucks. keep any emergency money in the back of your wallet? It's in my truck. Okay. I'll give him that. I got, I got, I got. So I, well, keep I a, shouldn't tell people that I got emergency money in my truck because now everybody's going to want to break into my it. truck. But I keep my, my. Redneck emergency fund, a hundred dollar bill tucked in the back of my wallet with a couple extra twenties, just so I can do anything. Yeah. But so, John, how's that for a pocket dump, huh? And so uh, this is me coming over to my buddy's house to get dinner too. This is uh, 
I fed him food. I'm not a... We're in, we're in the handgun world studio here, not the mobile studio, the office studio. We're in Bob's office. And, I, and, and my wife cooked Filipino food tonight. And my and, wife uh, and my kid came, so... Uh, yeah. And we, um, had an, we had an Easter egg fight with, yeah. uh, with confetti inside the... What do you call those again? Oh, uh, Casarones. Yeah, Casarones. Okay. Yeah, Bob's been here for 15 years in San Antonio. It's a huge tradition that they make all the confetti Easter eggs, Casarones, and they throw them at each other, and you break them over everybody's head and confetti. Um, there's such a big tradition. My wife goes, oh, look, we should buy those. And as we're driving by, you know, there's a little stand on the corner selling them. And she's like, oh, we passed this that one. But there's another one on the way. I know where it is. So we stopped at the second stand we saw to get those just so the kids could have fun. And we... Littered Bob's backyard with confetti and um, it's okay. it's Easter eggs. It works. <laughs> it was it a works. cool fight. It was fun. Yeah. I got it all in my wife's hair. <laughs> I felt bad afterwards because it took her like five minutes of going like this to get it out. But it was fun. She'll get over it. She already did. <laughs> but all there's right. our pocket dump. The only thing I carry all the time that Bob doesn't is a pen. And you guys probably carry the same stuff. Your backup gun, your, your knife. Um, you know what I did? I misplaced my ankle kit. Normally, I have a blowout kit that I wear on my ankle, and yeah. somehow I misplaced it. I, You know what it is? My wife is right. I'm a bag whore, and I put it in a bag to take it with me somewhere, and I don't know which bag, and I haven't found it yet. Oh, boy. But normally, I wear an ankle kit, um, and a little ankle blowout kit. Uh, there's five or six companies that make one. I bought it on Amazon. And no, it's not the latest, greatest of everything in there, but it does have an old-style tourniquet and a bunch of other stuff that I can use, and I added a couple things to it. So, you know... Um, Paul over there at shooting the gun, something sharp, something bright. There you go. Something lethal and then something, something sharp, bright, and lethal. If you got and sharp, medical. bright, lethal, and medical, yeah, you're covered. That's his four. That's things. where I'm negligent. I don't carry a medical kit. I know I should. Don't beat me up too bad about it. I know I should. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. We all. I have. I have the sharp. I have the bright, and I have the lethal. Actually. You know, I got too lethal. I mean, you know, if I know what I'm doing. Um, so I got too days. lethal. And, uh, we'll and, uh, and as our old friend Chaz used to start saying, I got the loaded cell phone too. So oh, that I can, I can be calling 911, which is also extremely important. With my so, mighty iPhone. Yeah. 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 That's good. So uh, what else do we want to talk about? Give us some more comments so we can come up with some more subject matter here. I, I, you know what? While we're waiting for some more comments, Ben, I want you to kind of chime in on what do you think of the, the state of the gun industry right now? Because I got my thoughts on it. I think I think we actually have some problems out there. But what do you think of the industry so far? Uh, the industry is down. Some of the gun shops are closing. The one I used to work at closed. Um, they're finally admitting it. I mean, it's it, it. Tom Gresham goes over the numbers on his show all the time, and I'm laughing because he was right. When you just look at the Knicks background checks, they were way up. But you know what? I talked to every dealer in Texas, down now, huh? and they were down. Even when they said the Knicks checks were up, our sales were way down across the industry, and now the Knicks checks are down too. Uh, it's not a big deal, but... Most corporations and big businesses are built on growth and a growth curve. If they don't continue to grow, they die. And they can't do this whole flatline thing yeah. because we haven't figured that out in America, how to make a company survive a flatline time. Um, the company that I work for, the gun shop I work for, couldn't figure out how to survive a little downturn like that. When it's all blowing and going, everybody loves it. And then when it turns down a little bit, it hurts. Um, not that you should go out and run up, buy a gun. There's some really cool new guns out there. I mean... 
go get one if you want one. I shot a bunch of them on Monday. Um, my friend took me to a brand new, actually brand new range that opened up in Houston. Really? It was really nice. They had every nice little new gun you could think of to rent out there. So, um, yeah. Name? Name? The, oh, of the range? Yeah. I don't remember. Location? I mean, you said Houston. Houston. Where? Where? Oh, yeah, Houston. Yeah. Houston's a small place. <laughs> yeah, so, small place. Yeah. I don't know. Should be easy to find. So he drove, and it was like 10 minutes from his house. So uh, oh, okay. you know who you are if you're listening. I had a great time, but they had all sorts of fun stuff on there. So the, I, they had the new Ruger PC-9 carbine out there, the takedown. I had to shoot that. You're not talking about Athena Gun Club, are you? No. Okay. Because that's not new, but they had they a, got cool stuff. Expensive. But. They had a SIG, uh, the SIG, whatever, the MPX with the brace on it that collapses. So I had to shoot one of those. They're only $2,500 guns. They let me rent it for 15 bucks. I don't know how they ever get their money back on that, but so I gave them the fifteen bucks and you know ten dollars for a box of ammo. Their ammo was cheap too; couldn't believe it. It was eleven dollars for a box of nine millimeter at the range, which is uh, now I wish I remember the name of the range because for eleven bucks they were. I was I was surprised. You know, they you rent their guns, you have to shoot their ammo. That's kind of the deal of every range. But it was eleven bucks for a box of nine millimeter. I was like, give me two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I had fun with that, and then they had a KSG uh, shotgun which I had to rent. Yeah, so that was fun. I'd like to shoot one of those. And then uh, my buddy actually had a Smith and Wesson M and P nine millimeter with the window on it. He had the the Trigicon RMR, and so I got to shoot that side by side. And then I went out to the range. And One of mine up, will have it on there soon. I went out and picked up the Sig, um, the Sig three twenty with the Sig Romeo on it, and got to shoot those side by side. So Keep that was a lot of fun. For a I'm uh, losing my co-host. I'm, wait, no, you're co-host. not losing. You're not losing. Uh, it's I'm, his show. I'm going to answer John's question here. It's quick. his show, and then I'm out. Here. Well, the state of the gun industry. I want to say something, and then John just put up some good questions, which we're gonna we're gonna answer. But I, I'm just going to say one thing about the state of the gun industry right now. Uh, one word: complacent. We're way too complacent. That's it. That, let's let's get on the stick, folks. Let's wake up. Because complacency kills. Okay, John wants to know about aftermarket sights and uh, and carry ammo. So first of all, let me do the carry ammo. Um, for me, it's uh, Federal HST 124 grain 9 millimeter. These are plus a- P's. When I, when I'm done shooting these plus P's, I'm not going to buy any more. I like the standard pressure better, uh, 124 grain standard pressure, just because they they re- recoil less and they're probably just as effective. So I love HSTs, and the great thing about HSTs, I think these were twenty twenty eight dollars a box of fifty. Yeah, thirty bucks a box of fifty. That's Something like that. Else. Yeah, that's exactly what I stoke all my nine millimeters with. Is the, the 124 grain plus P's, and I shoot the plus P's. Not for the plus hit harder. It's so that the plus P matches a little bit more to the 115 grain fodder that I shoot all the time ah, okay. in my guns. So I get a little bit more loop, and they're about the same out there. Um, but this every nine millimeter I have is stoked up with this stuff. I special order it whenever I can, and then I just replace it. Um, I haven't found anything is better. I keep reading gel tests. I keep seeing what everybody else does. And this stuff in real world and everything else has just got everything else beat right now. And Federal makes a great product. They make all, and when you pull it out, it's not brass. It, well, it's brass, but it's nickel-plated brass, and everything's silver on it so that it doesn't get gummed up. And when the silver starts to get a weird color on it, and even the bullet is nicely polished, you can almost see it in the video. But you can Shiny. Really, you can really see when they start to go bad because they start to discolor. Yeah, they, they do. They start to 
And the brass, you can see when they bulge a little bit on mine because they've been in and out of the chamber too many times. Um, when they start to get old like that, I take them to the range and shoot them. I've never had one fail to go bang. I've never had it fail to cycle a gun. So I just keep doing it. Um, if you want to see my cheap crap, I got in my stripper clips over here. You guys are going to love this. So this is we the stuff. We about strippers? No, we're not. No, that's fun too. If anybody knows what the head stamp PPU means, um, that's what I'm carrying. I'm just kidding. I know what it is. I get these from Academy. They're actually Russian made. Um, they're 158 grain plus P round with semi-jacketed hollow point. These things are nasty, nasty, and they're cheap. So with this little revolver, my revolver shoots point of aim, point of impact ammo differently. I took a class and I brought, I backed up the class to like 40 yards on a steel bob yeah. and we're shooting. So I pulled a little gun out of my pocket. I start shooting it. Well, the ammo that I put in there was like 130 grain just fodder and it was shooting way high at 40 yards to where I was aiming at just off the bottom of this steel target that's like a 10-inch, 15-inch plate to get it to hit the steel. So I looked okay. like a... I look like a numb skull, <laughs> um, but this stuff shoots point to, point of aim, point of impact. So, so does HST for me in my little my little tiny Ruger. This yeah. thing, I, I can. You're good with that. I've seen it. I really can put two different people's 158 grain loads in here, and at seven yards, have it shift point of aim at like four inches on it. So that's where I really like this stuff because it's super cheap. I know it's going to do the job because it's going to get in there real deep. It's not going to expand a lot. But I don't care. I just need to get it in there deep. and um, But I know it's going to point of aim, point of impact. It's going to get in there deep. And it, it it groups decently. This thing groups so weird that I can actually shoot this stuff and shoot some of the federal nice, better stuff. And I can see my group size change a little bit at seven yards. Yeah. So it's not yeah. a huge difference, but it's enough to see. Um, so I'm, just, I'm still shooting this stupid, cheap Monarch stuff because it's so cheap. When I started buying if it this works stuff, and it's cheap, why not? When I started buying this stuff, it was as cheap as fodder out there. The 158 grain or 130 grain Winchester or anything else. So, And then I can use it in my self-defense round. I can. This stuff goes bad in my pocket. This stuff is actually in good shape, so I, I changed it out like a month ago. But after two months, these things sit in my pocket. They start to look green. They're no longer brass colored, so I'll shoot them and put new ones in. Yeah, when they're thing. green, it's time to shoot them. <laughs> so, um, Never had one fail to fire. I know it's... Monarch, the cheapest crap out there, made in Russia. But I've never had one fail to fire yet, and I've probably shot 500 rounds through it. So I'm pretty good on I think it's going to work. <laughs> I'm betting my life on it. How's that, that it's going to work? Yeah, so, that's fine. But that's the only thing I do. Everything else is federal. I would buy federal HSTs for everything. The only time I've seen the HSTs fail to perform, believe it or not, is that a short barrel 38 Special. The numbers did not go well when they shot that stuff into gel and through denim and stuff. HSTs did not do well through the short short barrel um, 38 specials. Now I want to show you guys something just for nostalgia's sake pretty soon, but I want to say welcome Tyler. Tyler's joined us. Steve has joined us. And uh, uh, let's see here. Yeah, Tyler and Steve recently. Now John just asked another good question. Let me show you something for nostalgia. So I'm going to unload here and uh, to answer John's question. He's asking about... Whoops, I'm keep thinking I have a Glock in my hand. I got a Smith & Wesson. He's trying to take it apart. He's trying to take it apart like a Glock. Now, John asked us about um, uh, sights. Every day, or actually, what are our favorite carry sights? And uh, mine, on my shield here, I've got uh, Trigicon HDs. I got an orange front sight 
uh, Trigicon HDs. Still my favorite uh, carry site so far. Uh, one of the big reasons I've explained this on my show before, it's got a nice ledge for the rear sight there. If you can see that. So for one-handed manipulations, uh, they are a bit expensive. I do like the nice big orange dot in the front. But I'll tell you something I'm going to be testing soon, and uh, we'll be putting it on video. The cool thing is about being in the handgun world studio right here. Stop it. <laughs> um, I'm going to be ext- uh, testing out the uh, the XS F8 sights on my Glocks. XS F8. As you can see, I haven't even installed them yet. Uh, just got them a few weeks ago, and I'm going to be testing those out. But really, sights are kind of subjective. It's um, you know what's my favorite might not be your favorite. I'm actually. Um, I'm actually uh, kind of looking forward to these uh, XS F8 sights. And, uh, but the other thing is, I'm also might be switching. Let me have the slide for a second real soon. I might be switching to a uh, green front dot. You can see this one is, uh, I can't get it in front of the camera correctly, but you can see it's orange there. You can see it from there. It's orange. But the green kind of stands out better for me. What about you, Ben? What do you, what do you got? He keeps trying me. He loves these sights so much that he hands me every gun he has with these sights on. It says, "Shoot these, shoot these, shoot these," and I just can't get over the U-shaped notch in the rear end. I like sights should be square, and I don't understand the U, um, so they don't work for me just because they bug me. They work fine. I shoot them fine. If you like them, they're great. Um, I've been running speed sights, the triangle-shaped sights. I used for to have those a couple years. Um, I thought they would do better for long range. Up close, I do really, really well with them. Um, At a longer distance, I have a problem with point of aim, point of impact on them, and where on the diamond and the dot they hit. So I'm not really, I'm not really enamored with those. I think I'm going to go back to the True Glow sights with the the ones that have tritium and the fiber optic in them. They glow, they glow so much. The TFOs, yeah, and they make a couple versions of them now, but they glow so bright that it's almost, yeah. But, man, they are fast up close, and I can just look at the outlines. They're skinny enough just to do everything. Um, I really I want to watch Bob as an instructor because he's hand, he's loading up his gun again to put it in his holster. I'm so I'm over safe. here trying to go. That's just the instructor and me, the safe guy that wants to watch. Not that, there's nothing behind us. You point it in a safe direction, all that good stuff. But it's just uh, out of straight-up habit. I'm trying to watch him and do it. But anyways, those TFO True Glows, I love those sights. I think I'm going to go back to them on my carry gun, and I'm just gonna. I think I'm just gonna buy those on every gun and just not worry about it. Uh, I did have the tritium vial in the front fall out of one set. Um, they said they'd warranty it for free if I would just send them. If I send them the sights, they'll replace them. If did I they? send them the slide, they'll replace them on the slide. Um, it's still sitting on top of my safe, waiting to be replaced. Um, so I'm going to have to do that because uh, I can tell them right now that right now. Uh, both of my normal carry guns are down. So one of them with the True Glow sights are bad. I never got it replaced. And then my M&P 9mm that I've been carrying for eight years now as my primary gun, the front sight fell off Sunday. So like, you know, what's today? Friday? So all of five days ago, the front sight, I pulled it out at this class to start shooting before the class got there just to make sure I was on and get some extra range time in. Good thing I did. And I pulled it right out of my man bag put it on my hip that morning it was my carry gun while i was in houston and uh yeah, everything breaks i uh, pulled it out and i started shooting can't hit the broad side of the barn look down at the front of the gun and i can see the front side is no longer in the middle of the gun it's like on the side and it's hanging off a little bit and i was like well that's why i can't hit anything so i 
I unloaded the gun, took it, I pushed the sight, and it pushes back on there, and then it pushes off, and I'm like, crap. <laughs> so I got a big old hammer out, and I hit it, because that's what you do to try to get things to stay on, right? You just hit them with a hammer. Of course, that um, fixes everything. Well, I hit it with the hammer, and it stayed on there, but not good enough to actually hit anything with, so it's stuck on there. So I'm going to call Smith & Wesson and call the site manufacturer and see who's, who's, whose piece I broke. Who's to blame here? I think I may have worn that Smith & Wesson out at yeah. about 20,000 rounds and carrying it for about seven years. Only 20,000 yeah. rounds? Oh, okay. You know, what I found is that carrying the damn thing every day is worse on it than shooting it a lot. Unless you're going to shoot 5,000 rounds a year, really carrying it every day beats the snot out of your gun. It does. And I'll put it in a man bag a lot of the time, so my man bag gets dropped all the time. Um, not as much now that my computer stays in my man bag. Two, so I got a bigger man bag, so my gun and my computer fit. I used to carry two different man bags, but yeah, they get it could be it gets beat up a lot when I carry it all the time. So, um, guess what's back in my man bag now, carrying every day? A Glock. Oh, wow, he's got a he's got a Glock. Again. <laughs> so I pulled. I, know, I went into the safe. Actually, it's because I, I was at that class and it's what I had. So I I, think- I brought an extra Glock in case somebody needed one. So I took the Glock and I was wearing the Glock in the class and shooting the Glock in the class because that's uh, <laughs> that's the other gun that I had. I think on you're me gonna, you know, you're so, you're you're gonna regret that. You're gonna get yourself killed in the streets carrying a cheap plastic Glock pistol. I mean, you and know, for all you guys that think Smith and Wesson sucks, yeah, I've broken two Glocks now too. So I break everything. I haven't broke this Ruger yet. I did. I think I did break the laser sight on the front of it. Not that I used it ever, but I haven't broke broke the Ruger LCR yet. But um, give me time, I can break anything. Did you break a shield yet? No, but I don't carry that very often. Oh, okay, kind of lazy on that way. Right. If I carry my shield every day, I'm sure I can break that. Just like you won't break, break the Glock. They're indestructible. I broke two of them already. <laughs> Not one. I've broken. They're indestructible. Two they never break. Um... Oh, which reminds me, don't tell my wife. I'm somebody asked down there, John, that what gun She's my right wife out carries. in the other room. I have her Glock right now. <laughs> I gotta switch it out. I took the new Glock. She likes the new Glock Gen 5. I don't like it, but that's the one I had with me. So that one got stuck in my bag. That one I've carried, I've carried a couple times since then. So I gotta get the Glock Gen 4 out of the safe and start carrying that and put hers back. Speaking of Glocks, see this it out. One nice thing about uh, filming in the handgun world studio is my safe is only six feet away. So, so I'm reading over here. Yeah, he's reading over there. So since we're going to talk about Glocks... John, you got tons of questions. Yes, he does. So I'm going to be... My uh, wife carries a Glock. Ultra careful here, but a couple of new toys that I want to introduce to all of you that we're going to the range tomorrow, and uh, we're going to be doing... uh, Careful now, careful, careful, careful. I want to play with Uh, this one. Treat all guns as if they're loaded, and uh, because they are. Of course. This one's not um, But tomorrow we are going to be doing a review on the Glock 43X. We're going to be filming videos for modern handgunners and for the Shooters Club and the Glock 48. Ben's playing with my Glock 48 and uh, this is my Glock 43X. So we're going to we're going to push uh, push these things hard tomorrow. So if you're not subscribed to our Modern Handguns uh, Modern Handgunners video channel, please subscribe. Go to youtube.com/modernhandgunners. What do you think of that so far? This is the first time I picked it up. It feels like a skinny Glock. I like it. I get all my fingers on there, even my fat It's a skinny hands. Glock 19 and is what it is. Yeah, you know what? Yeah. And I said for years that I don't like Glock, but with a Glock 19, they hit it out of the park. It was just too fat on the slide, right? The slide on Glock 19 is like this fat. And then 
Look at what they got right here. The skinny Glock looky, 19. Looky, looky. But it comes with a 10-round magazine, which is single-stack, 10-round mags. And they do uh, single-stack right there. No, but, they're not really single, but they're kind of like one-and-a-half stack. But but that's okay. But it, it's, it's a nice thinner than a Glock grip. 19. Yeah. I'm thinking that, oh, man, this might be the way to go. Yeah, yeah. And what do you think of the trigger press on that? Feels like a Glock. Yeah, I think it's a little actually a little bit better than some of the... It's better than the Gen 4 triggers, for sure. We've got to look at this inside. It's better than the Gen 4 triggers. So it's built like the 42 and the 43 inside, right? Yeah. yeah oh, except for... Huh. I'll tell you one of the cool things about the uh, where's about these two. Where's a gloves. punch, Glock? Where's a where's a punch, Bob? I gotta take the rest of it. No, I'm not gonna get my punch out. <laughs> one of the cool things going. about these Glocks, the though, apart. let me have that frame. You can see that the uh, that the frame on a Glock 43X and a Glock 48 are the exact same frame. Now I can't so remember which one's one. One cool thing about it doesn't matter. Well, we'll uh, I'll match them up with the serial number later, but. The cool thing is if you do need to pull parts off of one to put it on the other, you can do that with the 43X and the 48. It's the same frame. Um, all it is, all they've done is they've just changed the slide, short slide on the 43X. Here's the bad news about these two guns. Your Glock 43 magazines will not work in this and vice versa. will not work in either of these guns. So you have to get the newest... Uh, Glock 43X magazines and the 48 magazines. That's the only disadvantage I can think of. Um, I'm liking this thing. You like it? I think I might have to get one of these. Yeah, I'm not a. I'm not really super excited about the uh, about the stainless chrome slides. You you are. I kind of like black, but I like the stainless slide, and I know this one's loaded. This one. But when I look at this one and this one, which one looks bigger? Mm, well, of course, the of Glock course this bigger. one is bigger, but which one stands out more? Uh, well, the Glock. The silver one, right? Yeah. Well, so here's a thought from my armored car days. Um, people would no- notice silver guns more than they would notice the, all the black guns. Yeah. So if, I'm, if I have to point this at somebody and tell them, stop, don't move, I hope the silver gun looks bigger and more noticeable and looks scarier. I yeah. I can't prove that I don't have a study for it, but um, and this in in real life, any advantage I can take not to shoot somebody, I'll take it. So That's, I like the I like the brighter slide and stuff. Um, yes, it's not as tactical. If I'm moving around my house, right, it's silver. I can see it. Um, as a concealed carrier, how many times am I going to actually be out and have the gun and up in the hunt out like hunting somebody John Wick style? Rare. Yeah. Probably not going to happen. Probably right? not John Wick. Happen. You guys see the second John Wick movie? Yeah, runs yeah, around, we know John Wick. Yeah. But he runs around. He doesn't run with the ground up. He runs it. Yeah. He always runs half three homie. quarters. Half, half homie. Half homie. So yeah. this is homie. John Wick style. This is half homie, right? So that's Can what I do the John do Wick um, brass check. Oh, do the John Wick brass check. Yeah. You know, just you, be safe. You look it. at a brass yeah. check. You go like this. You look under John Wick. He does the brass check. He goes like this, and he looks because he's cool like that. So yeah. Got to pick up the cool stuff from the movies, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, Dave, do that stuff. Dave, thank you for joining. Uh, Donovan, thank you for joining. Uh, if you guys got some questions, fire away. Throw them up on Facebook. Uh, so, again, we'll be doing a, a Modern Handgunners video. We're going to the range tomorrow morning uh, if I can get up early enough. And we're going to be there and uh, filming some more Modern Handgunners and some 
some Shooters Club stuff. But So your initial impressions of these new Glocks, Ben? I don't like that one. You don't like the 43X? Why? I oh. never... Because a four-inch barrel is the perfect carry-length barrel. Actually, you know what? I um, I think you'll be surprised because these have... I've already given these uh, about 200-round trigger jobs so far. John's giving you a hard time. I know he is. John, we didn't drink tonight. No, we didn't. No, we don't drink with guns. We lost half of it. So since we didn't drink tonight, we could bring the guns out. I think you'll be surprised, pleasantly surprised with the 43X. I was wrong about it. I was wrong about it. Um, The only thing, the the only thing I really, really don't care for with both of these Glocks is when you carry these, because these hold 10 rounds in the mag, there's so much weight up here. You better make sure you got a good holster and a good belt because they tend to want to rock out like that because there's so much weight. If you compare it to a Glock 43, Smith & Wesson Shield, uh, guns like that, there's not as much weight up here because they're not holding as much ammo. I know why Glock came out with this gun. They came out with it to compete with the um, with the Sig P365, but in my opinion, it doesn't it doesn't compete that well with a 365 because it's it's significantly larger and heavier than a P365. So I think the place for the 43X is if you just happen to really love Glocks and you just want the newest thing by Glock. Otherwise, I think the 48 is the better choice because you got a single stack Glock 19. And how many years have people been wanting a single stack 19 since the 19 came out, right? Pretty much. Probably since 1988, 1988, 89, something like that. Early 90s. Um, So it only took about 21 years, but after 21 years, Glock has made the the single stack Glock 19. So there you go. These small guns, I've never really liked them a lot with the short barrels because you put them like right here on your pants. And the higher they sit up with nothing sticking out down here, they tend to... With well, the weight of the gun, they the tend forty-eight to go doesn't out. do it as bad. The forty-eight doesn't rock as much because you got the extra barrel length that is in the holster, and if you're carrying it inside the waistband, especially, uh, this carries very well. As a matter of fact, I have noticed in the last couple months the forty-eight for me carries better than the forty-three X, simply because of the extra slide and barrel length. It carries better. So the the reason I like the Sig 365 so much as I was shooting it is that um, that would be a pocket gun. So the 365 is actually small enough, and I had a student that I borrowed her gun and it did it. It would replace my revolver in my pocket, and I put the 365 in my pocket. This is not gonna fit in my pocket, and you've got a mag in here. I don't hey, Charlie joined. How you doing, Charlie? So this is not gonna fit in my pocket, even with my you know you might you can see my Ruger is pretty big. But it's just not going to fit in there and it's not going to come out. So that's where I think the 3-inch barrel would be if I was going to use a gun as a pocket gun. And for me, the Glock 42 and um, somebody else. Got one of those in the safe too. John asked me, which one does my wife carry all the time? She carries a Glock 42 and she has her Glock 19 as her other gun. It's normally her safe gun, but um, she never knows when I take it. And I'll take it to classes all the time with me. Um, (laughs) Shh, don't tell her. Uh, but she's so in the next room. Somebody, 
somebody asked in there, what gun does my wife carry? Glock 42. Because um, she's a woman and she likes to wear womanly outfits and carrying anything bigger than Glock 42. I had to talk her into a Glock 42 because um, I handed her my Caltech P32 to start carrying just so she would get into it. And then I was mean and I took away my Caltech P32 and I gave her the Glock 42. Now, it's a little bit bigger, but now she carries more, you know, real gun size. So that was... That was good, and I got her a better holster. She's currently using um, Crossbreed's belly band system. It seems to be working for her. It's not perfect, but it's comfortable enough where she'll actually wear it all day and go places. So there you go. You got your question answered, I hope. We're trying. And all of this stuff. Look, somebody liked us. Yeah, somebody likes us. I want to say (laughs) something about the Glock 42. Uh, those of you that are subscribed to Modern Handgunners on YouTube, you probably saw the video. And if you didn't, get subscribed and watch the video. It's it's our free channel. We did a Glock 42 shooting review, and uh, I so much like that gun. You know, the Glock 42 doesn't get much press anymore because we got the 43X, the Sig P365, and everything else that's greatest since sliced bread. But I really, really like the 42. It's 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 an accurate little gun. It's it's a soft shooter. If you got a new shooter and they want to shoot something other than a 22, a Glock 42 380 is a good thing to put into their hand because it's so easy to shoot. Don't don't you like yeah, it? Yeah, and they don't they don't they're bigger than a normal pocket gun and that cuts down the recoil. That couple ounces that the Glock is heavier than the Smith and Wesson Bodyguard or I was going to say the Ruger LCP the original LCP was a bear to shoot. The LCP2 was a beautiful little gun LCP2, to shoot. LCP2, LCP2. We tested Bob's gun. I love gun it. My new, my it. new fa- favorite pocket yeah. gun. We shot that, and I was like, hmm. So that's my next. Nice. That, I think that one will be now my favorite little 380. But before that, that Glock 42 Only was better than everything. Only $269, too. They're so, super cheap. So great gun for love, that but, price. And, but I'm a huge fan of staying with the same platform. Me too. And so if you're going to go for a different platform, you know, don't go. Stay the same. Um, if you're going to be a Glock fan, carry a Glock 42 in your pocket and a Glock 19 on your hip or a Glock 48. Glock 48. Um, I think Glock has made some amazing guns. The Glock 19 was the perfect size gun. Full-size grip, four-inch barrel, kind of like a 1911 Commander style, but, um, you know, who's copying who? And then they came out with that Glock 42, and at first I was like, what the heck is this? It's too big. It doesn't fit with the other ones. And then I shot it compared to all the other ones, and I shot all of the little 380s, and they all suck. The only one that's decent now is Ruger made their second version of it, so now we got a good one. But before that, Glock was the only thing that I would want to... It's the only thing I would touch to carry. All the other ones were just so horrible. They did everything so mediocre that I was like, ooh, look, you have medium, almost seeable sights. And that's better than the other guns. So Glock hit it out of the park with that shield, one. Shield, shield. I cannot put a shield in my pocket. I don't know what kind of freaking pocket some of you have. <laughs> it's not a, a pocket shield gun, in your, no. your pocket. It's but, not a pocket um, gun, that's for sure. Yeah, uh, my pockets aren't that big. The shield won't fit. No. But yeah, the shield is one of the best single stack guns I ever had. And so hopefully, I'm kind of hoping this Glock 48 might be my next favorite. And I might have to get me one of those. But i got to fix my Smith & Wessons, and I'm trying to talk my wife into I'm like, you know, they're both broken. I just need to buy another one, right? You guys with me? Just buy yeah. another one? Sure. And so I just need to find the core version, and then I need to put a red dot on it. And I don't, you know, I'm going to piss people off, but I just tested two of them side by side last week at the range. And 
I am not a fan of the Trijicon RMR. Never been a fan. That new Romeo R1, super big fan of that thing. Yeah. And they're cheaper, and they're a little bigger, and the battery goes in the side, and they have this motion-activated stuff, and, 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 and I will be buying a Romeo 1. So I'm hoping to get a score a core for a great deal without my wife knowing, and then put the then buy the Romeo R1 and set that on top, and then get into that world of the red dots. And we just got another question. It might be the last question we do for this episode. By the way, the audio for this is going to be releasing on my podcast soon, uh, as soon as I can get it edited, probably in two or three days. But Donovan, thanks for joining, and he asked, do you feel the same way about the BG380, the Bodyguard 380 by Smith & Wesson? So I'll tell you what I think. No. No. Uh, I did not like that. I had one for a while. The trigger was atrocious. Atrocious. And and the laser on that gun, the pushing that button up there by the front of the gun, yeah. You know, uh, I, I tried real hard to get to be good with that. And the only lasers that I like on a pistol are lasers activated by the grip. When you grip the gun, it activates the laser. That's what I like because I don't have to think about it because, you know, I ain't so smart. So I don't want to... I don't want to have to think about what I'm trying to do when I'm defending myself. But I was not a big big fan of the Bodyguard 380. John says he's a shield guy also. And uh, hi, Kathy. How are you doing? So um, that's it. I think that's it. Ben, any final thoughts you want to, to mention on this? I'll go right back to the beginning where we started with night shooting. You need to get out there and practice. You need to try this stuff. You need to see what works for you and what doesn't work for you. Um, if the bodyguard, uh, who had the bodyguard, Donovan? Well, if that thing, he works just for, asked about it. If the bodyguard 380 works for you, dude, carry it. Yeah, carry if it a works. Gun. It didn't work for me. I it's have, a gun. But, That's but I have bear sized paws. I mean, look at that. I make Glocks disappear in my hand. My hands are huge, so that thing did not work for me at all. I couldn't hold on to it. I couldn't get the trigger to press right. I couldn't get it to go all the way through. I had a major issue just pressing the trigger all the way without and gripping the gun correctly because it was too small for me, and I couldn't hold on to it. The recoil bit me because it was too small. Um, but if you get out there and practice, find the gun you like and carry that one and shoot that one, and then buy a second one because that one's going to break sooner or later. And so Bob's really good at that. He'll find a gun he likes and he buys two. Um, I bought two and I, you know, broke two. So I'm going to have to figure that one out. <laughs> I think I need a third Smith & Wesson. But I'm trying to convince my wife that. So if anybody of you knows my wife and wants to talk to my wife on my behalf, tell her I need a third Smith & Wesson. <laughs> but go out and test your gear. Try it under any condition that you can get your hands on. If it's just the range, go to the range. You'll figure out what you like there. Do dry practice. Go to a class. Shoot these little guns in a class. Go to a class and shoot the little guns. Uh, we had a student that came through with that new SIG 365, that little little tiny one. P365. And, the P3, and she shot that whole class like 400 rounds with one of those 365. Like a, like a champ, too. But... Um, she found out that that worked for her, and she had little tiny petite hands and a little petite woman, and that thing works like a charm for her. It's the best gun she's ever shot, and it just continues to be for her. And she can run it with the big guns in class. Guys got their Glock 34s out there, the long slides with the dots on them and stuff, and she keeps right up with them in that little tiny gun. So go practice with whatever you like. 
And if you don't like that one, get another one. Yeah. If you like it, just keep going with it. All these opinions are worth what you paid for them. Including ours. Yeah. I'll, I'll be the first one to tell you what works for me is not going to work for you. I'm 330 pounds with bear-sized paws. Stuff that works for me doesn't work for Bob. Stuff that works for Bob doesn't work for me. So You just got to try them. Try them all and then take That's the That's the fun you part, you know. Um, now, my final thoughts are not too many people talk about this LCP2, but I think it's the best Pocket 380 you can buy right now just because of the trigger, the grip. Uh, again, if you go to Modern Handgunners on YouTube and you watch us, both Ben and I shooting the LCP2, it was awesome. So um, that's that's pretty much my final thoughts that I want to talk about. And uh, let's see. One last comment. Uh, Donovan says, do this again. Wish I caught it from the beginning. Like the interaction. And Jim just joined. And folks, yeah, we'll do it again. Um, I'll bribe Ben again with some food. And maybe when he gets off of his diet with a couple beers. And I'll bribe him to come over again. Or, or I'll go over to... His place. Then we will do it with beer, but we won't have the guns out if we're going to have the beer out. Yeah, no guns. You'll see one or the other, but not both. (laughs) All right, folks. Thanks for thanks for listening. Uh, This this is another episode of the Handgun World podcast. Uh, You guys know why I carry a gun. Uh, Episode. Thanks for listening to episode four hundred and seventy seven. Remember, evil does not exist in the holster; it exists in the hearts of men and women. Shoot straight. Shoot safe. Read your Bible every day. Remember all about this weekend that Christ died for your sins. And thanks for watching. How can people be so? Sold-